chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same have followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Even the demons know who He is. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. We'll stop there with the reading and uh, tell you what we're going to preach about here in just a little bit. Uh, back in before the world was created, of course, the Bible says in Genesis 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that God created angels. We all would agree with that, correct? And in heaven, He created the angels. And the angels, of course, were purposed up there. There was a reason why they were there. And they're still there today, uh, worshiping God and crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. And we know that over the angels, there were three archangels that were set over them to lead them. There was Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And many of you know the, who Gabriel was, the messenger. Michael was the great warrior. And of course, Lucifer, he had a job as well. But we know what the Bible says about Lucifer in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. We have a description of Lucifer, what he did in heaven, and also what he did to be thrown out of heaven. And that was the fact that in Isaiah, you'll find that five different times he said, I will be like the Most High God. He wanted to try to lift himself up and be God. And of course, we know there is none greater than God. And beside Him, there is none other. And so God says in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet said that He was thrown out of heaven because iniquity had filled His heart. And so the Bible says that He threw Satan out of heaven, Lucifer, and with uh, when He threw him out of heaven, He was able to convince a third of the angels to go to hell with Him. Do you realize tonight that hell wasn't created for you at all? It was created for hell and His angels. That's why the Bible says that hell hath enlarged herself. So tonight, Satan and uh, his demons are alive. And you know what? They're, they're doing a pretty good job at trying to get people to come to where they are at. But do you realize tonight that spirits and demons never die? The same angels that were alive when God created the world and created the angels are still alive today. In fact, the same angel that comforted Jesus in the garden can be the same angel that comforts you tomorrow when you come to that decision that you need to make in your life. The same angel that comforted Paul in the middle of the night when he said the angel of the Lord visited me in the middle of the storm can be the same angel that will comfort you tomorrow when you go through your storm. So angels are still alive and they're doing its job ministering to us. And I do believe in angels and I do believe in demonic spirits. And so if you don't believe that, I'm sorry, but it's, it's true. There are demonic spirits that are alive and there's a hierarchy of demonic spirits. We won't get into that tonight. But as we read here in our text, you'll find that one of these spirits, the spirit of divination, had entered into this woman, into this damsel. And when you start reading about the spirit of divination, and maybe some of you know this, and I didn't know this until I started researching it and listening to some other preachers and reading some other uh, literature, and I've 
found that the, the word divination in the Greek actually means pythos, where we get the word python. So really this woman was inflicted or was, she was possessed with a spirit of the python. And when we begin to think about that and begin to think about the python and how it attacks and how it gets to its prey, it gives us a whole new picture of what Satan wants to do to every single one of us. Every child of God in here tonight, Satan wants to destroy us, he wants to kill us, and he wants to take everything from us. Do you realize tonight that python, their power is not in their mouth because they are not poisonous. But what a python does is he sneaks up on its prey and he will choke it to death, he will suffocate it to death, and he'll squeeze it to death. That's, the, that's how a python will kill its prey. And he's able to take down animals much larger in size because he is able to weave its way around him and, and by force and by suffocation, that animal and its prey will die because he is there to squeeze the life and breath out of it. That's what Satan wants to do with us tonight. Do you realize tonight that breath in the Bible is a type of the Spirit? And if we have it not the Spirit of God, then we are dead tonight, folks. And so Satan, the spirit of the python, is rising up in the age in which we are living, trying to choke every one of us to death. He wants to squeeze the power of God out of our services. He wants to squeeze us so much that we become professionals in what we are doing. He wants us to lose the anointing. He wants us to do things by our own power and our own might. He wants us to stop believing that God can do supernatural things. He wants us He wants to squeeze the anointing out of our worship. He wants to squeeze the anointing out of our preaching so much that we'll get behind the pulpit and we'll begin to entertain people instead of minister to them. That's what Satan wants us to do. Paul said himself when he came preaching, he didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. He came under the demonstration and the power of God. And listen tonight, we're dealing in an age where demonic spirits are around every corner. And you'll find I've preached this a couple of times, and every time I've preached it, it's met with it's met with criticism, and it's also met with a battle. Because Satan don't want this message preached. Satan don't want this message heard. Because Satan is doing a pretty good job at getting people down. But I'm telling you what, it's going to take the power of God to get rid of the spirit of the python that's rising up in our churches. You cannot reason demons out of people. A psychiatrist and a psychologist can't get it out of their head. A pill can't take care of a demon. No, it's going to take the power of God to get the job done. He wants to choke the wind out of a believer. He wants to make big churches but have no presence of God. Buildings do not impress Him. Mega churches do not impress Him. This church building does not impress Him. He wants to choke us to death. He wants us to become religious. And He wants us to become formal. <laughs> he wants us to do that. Religion has, has caused us to gain more knowledge, but we're not wiser. But religion has caused us to, to, have, uh, to have more love, but we don't have more holiness. And we've created a church world where everyone loves everything. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be encouraged. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe that has its time and place. But listen, you have to have holiness if you're going to see God. And Satan's using every tool he can to choke the wind out of a believer. And what he wants us to do is basically just leave him alone. You sitting in your pew tonight does not bother Satan. No. 
He don't care that you come to church. <laughs> he don't care. He does, you are not bothering Him just by filling a pew. I appreciate your commitment and I appreciate that you're here tonight, but Satan isn't scared one bit that you're sitting in that pew right there. And he just wants us to leave him alone. Remember when Jesus came into the temple that day and he opened up the book and he, he stood up uh, as a man with authority and he began to preach out of the Word of God and he read the Scripture that said the Spirit of the Lord is anointing me, uh, is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the Gospel. Remember that story and then the Bible says that he closed the book and it's a good thing he did. He didn't read the rest of the Scripture because things could have really came down if he would have read the rest of the Scripture. But he closed the book and then the, the people got mad at him and got angry at him. Religious people, as Pastor Cal preached last night. But you'll find that when he came back into the tabernacle, there was a man that was possessed with an unclean spirit that basically came up against Christ and said, Leave us alone! The man was sitting right in the church house. Possessed with unclean spirits. I do not know how long he had been there with an unclean spirit, but religion and tradition and formality got him nowhere. It didn't bother Satan one bit for the religion and the tradition and the formality. But when Jesus entered into the church, hallelujah, oh, I feel him tonight. When he got into the church, when Jesus stood up and started speaking, because no one could preach like Jesus could preach. And when he stood and the anointing came, then the devils trembled. The devils got mad and said, leave us alone. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to leave Him alone. And so the Spirit of Python is rising up. And you'll find it in our text that the Spirit of Python hates some things that we're doing. And He came against Paul and Silas and those that were around Him in this way. And you'll find, number one, that the Spirit of the Python will rise up every time you go to start praying. Because the Python hates prayer. It says that it came to pass as we went to prayer. As they went to pray, that's when the spirit of the python began to rise up and tried to choke their prayer life. Listen, that's what Satan wants you to do tonight. He wants you to stop praying. He wants you to stop believing. He wants you to stop calling on the name of God. Why? Because prayer is a powerful tool that not too many people use. Most of the time they use prayer as a get-out-of-jail card instead of using what it's meant to be used for. And that is calling upon Him, worshiping Him, thanking Him for what He has done. Listen, there's many times in the Bible where people came to Jesus' feet. They didn't ask Him for one thing. They just started worshiping Him for who He was. And isn't it amazing that Jesus answered their prayer without even asking? Why? Because He knows our need. Even before we ask, we just have to thank Him. For who He is. He wants to choke our prayer life. And our prayer life, see, is breathing is inhaling and exhaling. And so I believe our prayer life involves two things. It involves inhaling, which I believe is reading the Word of God. I don't think your prayer life is complete unless you get in the Word of God. You have to have the Word of God. It's quick and it's powerful. This, this Bible shows you where you're going wrong. How are you going to know about Jesus and what He can do for you if you don't study about Him and read about Him? That's how we inhale. And then we exhale when we begin to speak what we have read and what we believe. Listen, it will not happen until you tell it. <laughs> of course, Jesus knows our mind. 
But listen tonight, it's much better if we speak it from our mouth. Confession is made with the mouth. You're not saved until you say that I'm saved. That's what I believe with all my... I believe you've got to confess it in order for it to happen. And listen, there's some things that some of you are battling tonight in your life. You're afraid to speak it. You're afraid to tell it to Jesus. Why wouldn't you want to tell it to Him? He's the one that can take care of it. And listen, victory won't come until you begin to speak it in the name of Jesus. You've got to become voice-activated Christians. Your mountains can be removed if you speak. That's what Jesus said. You've got to speak to the mountain. I cannot speak to your mountain because your mountain knows your voice. You have power in your mouth. You have power in your tongue. Most of the time, the mountains we create anyway are from our own mouth. This isn't a messy, but it's a good, it's a good point. <laughs> and people want us... Pastors, you can amen me right here and preachers. People want to create their big mountains and then they want to come to us to speak to their mountain and remove it. No, 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 it ain't gonna happen that way. You gotta to speak to your own mountain because your mountain knows your voice. Speaking. Most of the time we're dealing with people with spiritual asthma. They don't know how to breathe. They don't know how to breathe. You ever you ever been around and some of you probably have suffered with asthma. You've had an asthma town of Calvin Ray through the years has had some asthma attached and it's awful. You feel like you're going to die. You can't get your breath. And there's a lot of people in here tonight spiritually that you have asthma. You don't know how to breathe properly. Let me give you some good advice. Breathe in by reading the Word of God. And breathe out by speaking the name of Jesus. Because prayer will get the job done. <laughs> God will answer prayer. He still is in the prayer answering business. God can perform miracles. Last week I was in a revival, a three-night weekend meeting, and, and we had a, a great revival Friday night. Uh, uh, Thursday night the Lord came in a special way, and Friday night the Lord came again. And even before I got up to preach, there was a young man that started coming down the aisle and, and, and started to come to the altar to pray. And I looked over and people began to shout. And I looked over and this young man was crawling to the altar. He was laying flat on his stomach, crawling to the altar like someone in the military trying to get out of the mud and out of the mire. But he was crawling to the altar reaching out for the altar, crying with all of all he had in him. And he was just yelling out to God, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Come to find out this boy had been a preacher. This boy got messed up in drugs and alcohol. And he was needing help. He was needing to be saved. And he came down an altar. He was crawling and crying out to Jesus. And he stayed flat on his face until he got victory. And he came up with a smile on his face and said, God has forgiven me. He's cleansed me. I'm telling you what, prayer can get the job done. God has answered a big prayer in my family's life. Won't go into a lot of details because uh, I need to get on with the message. But, but my, uh, my sister and her husband, after a two-year separation, decided to get a divorce in, in August. And a lot of the things went into that. And uh, sin came in. The python tried to get in and, and, uh, and to, to just tear down their marriage. And I thought it was successful. And so I stopped praying that they would get back together. Because honestly, and 
Forgive me, Lord, for being so, but I thought, well, I might as well go ahead and pray something else. It's over now. There's no hope for them. And so God got a hold of my sister, and for the first time in about three years, she got honest with God and asked God to forgive her. She said, Lord, I don't care what happens in my life. i got to have You. i got to be the best mother I can be to my kids. And so, Lord, i got to have You more than anything in this world. And so she prayed. That was on a Monday night. And she got up from the bed, and God said, now that you've hit the bottom, I'm going to put your marriage back together. And she said, well, Lord, He's already moved on. And He said, I don't care. I'm putting your marriage back together. And so she called her ex-husband, which was my ex-brother-in-law, and she said, we got to meet. we got to talk. And so they met on a Tuesday night. And he said, he began to cry and said, Bethany, she said, the Lord's been dealing with me. And he told me the same thing. And she said, well, what are we going to do? He said, well, let's start over. Let's get everything out on the table. Let's be honest with God and be honest with each other. And so there on a Tuesday night in a matter of about 30 minutes, God put back that marriage together. I'm telling you, God is able to do it. Prayer works. It wasn't my prayer he answered, because I wasn't praying for it. I'll just be flat out honest with you. But thank God my kids didn't give up. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! I'm telling you, God can answer prayer if it's, if it's from a heart that believes that He can do it. And He did it. The python hates prayer. The python also hates progress. This was Paul's first missionary journey. He was trying to stop him even before he got started. And the spirit of the python began to rise up as he was fulfilling the vision that God had entrusted him with. Getting into new territory. Getting into new places. Doing new things. Listen, you'll find in your life that the python will rise up in two areas of your life. Number one, it's after a gigantic victory in your life. That's when the python will rise up. And secondly, the python will rise up just before a great promotion. And I'm not talking about your job either. I'm talking about spiritually. Anytime you try to get to a new level, anytime you're trying to get deeper with God, anytime you try to sanctify your life and sell out to God, listen, that's when the python is going to rise up and try to stop your vision even before it starts. Because He wants to have you just to sit still. He doesn't want you to move forward. And as a Christian, we must, we must, we must always move forward. A man came to me Sunday night after church and he said, i got something to tell you. I said, what? He said, even if you fall flat on your face, you're still moving forward. So don't let the devil tell you if you fall flat on your face that you're not doing anything. No, you're still moving forward. That great missionary David Livingston says, I'll go anywhere providing that it's forward. Listen, a job in a Christian life is not just to stand still and be stagnated no, our job is to continue progressing, continue moving forward until we reach home. Christopher Columbus, as he was setting sail to come to America, as he was trying to discover a new country and a new land, he kept a logbook and he kept a diary of each day that they had. And there were days filled with great disappointment and also great joy and great excitement. But there were page after page where Christopher Columbus only had four words written down. And it was this, today we sailed on. 
There was page after page after page where all nothing exciting happened, nothing bad happened, but they just kept sailing on. And listen tonight, there'll be times in our life when it isn't camp meeting all the time and you ain't having a bad day, but listen, let me just tell you and encourage you, keep sailing on! Was it worth Christopher Columbus to sail on? Because he, he discovered a new country. He discovered a new land. And listen, that's the goal at the end of our life as a Christian. We must sail on because, thank God, at the end of the road, there's a new country and a new land we will inherit. He wants to keep us right where we're at. He hates prayer and He hates progress. And finally, the python will rise up every time you try to praise Him. Every time you try to praise God, the python will rise up because he hates praise. Sometimes the devil makes a mistake, Branson. And he did in our story here because if you keep reading, you'll find that because... See, they were making money off this woman. So because of that, and after she stopped making money for him and got converted, then they got mad at Paul and Silas and the disciples, so they threw him in jail. They were persecuted... We're doing the Lord's work. And so the devil does make a mistake. He probably thought he had him, but what he he put him in the same cell together. Yeah. Yeah, the devil made a mistake there because the net already said it. If, if any two agree as touching one thing, it shall be done. Now, the Bible says, and, and you, you stick with me about five more minutes, maybe longer, but anyway, you stick on with me. Uh, at, and at midnight. They were bound up. I've done some study on this years ago, and if I, my study is correct, they were bound hand and foot to the to the wall, and also there were guards beside them, uh, keeping them uh, from whatever may happen. And so they were there. They were beside each other, and it was in the darkest part of their life, in the darkest part of the night. And the Bible says, and at midnight they began to have a pity party. They didn't. Don't say that. Now see, I believe this midnight is more than a time on a clock or a beginning of at the end of one day and the beginning of a new day. I believe it talks about a season in the life in the life of this country, in the life of this world. It's talking about the season in which we are living, and I believe we are in the midnight of spirituality in this world and in this country. It's never been more darker. But thank God, thank God, thank God, there is hope. And what's that hope in? And at midnight they began to worship God. They began to praise. They begin to sing. They begin to pray. And guess what happened? Because they prayed. Because they sang. Hallelujah. Their locks and chains fell off. Not only were they free because they prayed, but every prisoner that was captive was set free because two people praised God. You bank on it. Anytime God comes in a special way and worship breaks out, I guarantee it almost every time there'll be someone that comes and gives their heart to Jesus. Why? Because your praise. <laughs> your praise affects the freedom of people that are dying and going to hell. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what they sang. I don't maybe they sang a song. Maybe they sang, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. For much cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made the heavens and the earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Behold, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Maybe Silas said, Paul, you know what? That means he ain't asleep. So that means we can call on him and he'll be right here for it. <laughs> 
The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade on thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. He shall preserve thy going forth and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Maybe they sang that. Maybe they sang Psalm 24. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the flood. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath a clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not given up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. For he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Who is this? Oh, lift up your hands, O gates, and be lifted up the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your hands, O ye gates, and even be lifted up the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Am I saying that? They, 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 they might have sang Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, for they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand with the righteous, nor sinners in the seat of the judgment. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Maybe they sing that. <laughs> Maybe they sing, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> Silas made my known them other songs, but they all knew that one. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh, I love this. And this is probably what they came out real bold. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That way, in order for God to deliver you, that means the enemy has to be present. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That means you put a table right in front of the enemy. And all the enemy can do is watch you eat. Woo! Glory to God! <laughs> now prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou knowest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know what they sang, but whatever it sang, it got to God. It became as a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. And God looked down and saw Paul and Silas, and He said, Boys, I like duet singing, but I like three parts singing the best. God likes harmony. He likes unity. And so He began to sing with them. And when God begins to sing, guess what happens? He sings them low bass notes. You ever been around some, some guy that's got about a $400 car and about a $3,000 sound system? When I, uh, not much anymore, but when I was growing up in high school, that's all we wanted was the big subwoofers. We didn't have to have any tweeters. We didn't have to have any mid-range or high. No, we just had to have the low bass notes in my Chevy Cavalier. Bless God. I was rocking it out. Boom, 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 boom. You know. But when you're around them low bass notes, man, it causes your insides to shake. <laughs> 
But when God begins to sing, He sings those low bass, and He sings such a low note that it got down into the cracks and the crevices in the ground, Jacob. And the ground began to shake. And when the ground began to shake, the foundation of the jail began to shake. When the foundation began to shake, the walls began to shake. And thank God when God sang, because they prayed, everyone was set free! Because the devil hates praise. He don't stick around, does he? And I've often wondered, I've got all this to get to my point here. I've often wondered, why does he hate worship and praise so much? We know he wanted to be like the Most High God, but remember when I told you they had jobs? And some of you all probably know this, I'm not telling you, you already know, but but it, it, man, it, it really floored me as I began to look at this a little bit closer. But in Ezekiel 28, he's called the King of Tyrus. In Isaiah, he's called Lucifer. And you'll find that he was the worship leader in heaven. That was his job. And you'll find that if you study it really closely, Lucifer, let me back up, every instrument known to man is categorized into three different categories. Y'all have a tremendous talent here. And we have all three categories right up here in front of us. We have percussion, which he had timbrels. He had tabrets, which is another word for percussion. He also had viols, which is where we get violin, stringed instruments. And he also had pipes. Any, any, any instrument that requires wind is considered a, a, a pipe instrument. So Lucifer had... Every one of these instruments inside of him. That's the way God created him. And he also had 12 stones on his vesture, on his chest, just like the high priest. And Lucifer actually means the bringer of light. So imagine with me, as worship began to break in heaven, Lucifer exploded with music and with light. As they begin to worship and praise God. He was the worship leader. He had it made. And he blew it. He blew it. So he had all the instruments inside of him. These instruments of praise and worship were inside him. They exploded as they began to praise and worship God. Crying, holy, holy, holy. The Bible says he was cast down. So there's a period of time when heaven was void of worship. Had praise. Didn't have worship. There is a difference. So God in His infinite wisdom came down into a garden and he began to take dust in the ground and began to form a man. And as he leaned over and began to cup his mouth over the nostrils and over the mouth of, of Adam and began to breathe, Satan stopped him. He, what you doing, God? Oh, 
I'm just creating your replacement. <laughs> so he oh, so he breathed into him, and man became a living soul. <laughs> now, now you hang on. He created. See, worship void in heaven. So he had to create a replacement in order to replace the worship. So He had to create people that would worship Him. Why are we created in the first place? We're created for one purpose, and that's to worship the true and living God. But, but, but think with me. Think with me. Put on your thinking caps. When God created human beings, when God created Adam, when God created us, He created every one of us just like Lucifer. Every one of us have the three instruments inside of us. We have percussion. And I'll go one better than that because there's some people may not be able to clap, may not be able to stomp their feet, but everyone has a heart. And guess what a heart does? It beats in a rhythm. And then we've got pipes. We've got a voice box. And a voice box requires wind to blow over it in order for, to make noise and to make sound. Singers, when you sing, you are a pipe instrument. And we've also got stringed instruments inside of us. They're called vocal cords. Some of them are longer, some of them are shorter, some of them are thicker, some of them are thinner. But we've all got vocal cords. So that means when God created us, He created us as an instrument of praise and worship. <laughs> So listen, that's why Satan gets so bad at us when we worship. Because we took his job. We took his job. We took his job. Hallelujah. Every time we lift our hands to God and begin to sing praises, he gets so angry because he said, I blew it. I blew it. That was my job. Now they're taking my job. <laughs> and there's going to come a day they already sang about it so they kind of already spoiled it for me but there's going to come a day when we get to heaven and worship will finally be restored to its rightful place just like it was before man fell <laughs> and there'll be a host of the redeemed that'll walk into heaven and the two-thirds that were left behind, yes, they made a choice to stay behind. And I know God appreciated that, but they can't worship like we worship. Angels have never been sorry for what they've done. <laughs> Angels have never been per uh, persecuted. Angels have never been forsaken. Angels have never went through a storm. Angels have never sinned. Angels have never came to an altar of prayer and asked God to come into their heart. Angels do not know what it means to be loved like we've been loved. I'm telling you, we're going to teach angels how to worship one day. So that's why He insisted. That's why the python is rising up trying to change the worship. And let me just add this before we close. There are two requirements to worship. And it's not southern gospel music. I'm sorry. It's not even contemporary music. The Bible doesn't promote or condemn either one. But there's two requirements. 
they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when you sing, it better be full of the Spirit and it better be real. Because if it ain't real and it ain't full of the Spirit, it ain't worship. When you preach, when you testify, it better be full of the Spirit and it better be real. Because if it ain't, it ain't worship. <laughs> That's why I get along with Crossway Church. There's some people don't like you. Hey, we're the same way in Southern Ohio. They can't figure you all out. How can you, how can you come in here and sing I'll Fly Away and sing I Am Redeemed, two different styles of music? You can't do that. You're not, you're not supposed to do that. You know you're supposed to make a choice of which one you're supposed to do. Didn't you know that? You can't sing an old hymn and you can't sing a praise song. You can't do that. That's, that's not allowed. You guys are messed up. No, no, that, that, we can't build a multi-million dollar sanctuary in southern Ohio in the poorest county in the state. No, no, we can't come in and, and sing the same songs like you do. We, we can't come in and worship. We can, oh, oh, God forbid that we would come in and have preaching before singing. God forbid that people would get saved during taking an offering. That's why people can't figure this out. That's why religion and formality don't work at Crossway and it don't work at Rubyville Church where we're from. Because it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. I want to be a part of a group of people that regardless, regardless of what anything they come, they're going to stand and they're going to proclaim Jesus as their Savior. They're going to be real. They're going to be in the Spirit. And thank God things will get done in Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's why he hates you whenever you get a diagnosis of cancer and you lift your hand and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's why he hates it when things come your way and your marriage is on the rocks and you don't know if you're going to make it. You don't want to, you don't want to be around your spouse, and, but you still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. He don't like it when the pig slit comes and you think there's no way I'm going to be able to make it and pay the bill. He don't like it when you stand and say, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Because the python's rising up. And he's going to choke every one of us. The only way to get rid of the python is to do what Paul did. Stop, turn around, and in Jesus' name. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Parsons, if you could come. And it's okay to worship during an invitation. It's okay to praise during an invitation. Because praise and worship opens the floodgates. Opens the Spirit and creates a liberty where people can come and find freedom. Do you need freedom in your life tonight? Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? Regardless of your background, Joplin already gave that wonderful testimony. I have to be honest, I don't have a testimony like that. 
I was saved at a young age. God, through His grace and mercy, kept me from a lot of the things that Joplin testified about. Same grace. Same grace that kept me from brought Him out. And it will be the same grace that will rescue you from your life of sin. Thank you.